Hey, everybody. Yeah, it's good to see you. Glad you made it. Uh, we are in week number two in uh, the book of Habakkuk. So if you've got your Bible uh, or you locate Habakkuk on your phone, we are going to move along. Today we're going to uh, look at a situation where uh, we find out what to do when we pray and we pray and we pray and the answers that God is giving, I don't like. Ever had that happen? Where you pray and you pray some more and then you think the Lord gives an answer and you say, Lord, honestly, I think that answer is awful. What are you doing? What were you thinking? Why, why did you answer that way? Last week we were in Habakkuk 1, verses 1 to 11, and uh, we saw that Habakkuk had three problems or three complaints to the Lord. So he takes his problems and complaints to the Lord. First complaint in verses 2 to 4, uh, God, you don't seem to care about the mess that's all around me. Things are bad here in Judah. Israel in the north had already been destroyed by the Assyrians, but now things are really awful. There's violence, there is injustice, wrongdoing, strife, conflict listed out, verses 2 to 4. And honestly, Lord, it seems like you are doing nothing. The second problem was that it seems pretty clear that Habakkuk was a man of faith, a man of God, he knew his Bible. Uh, most commentators suggest that he was a priest. Or if you look at verse 19 of chapter 3, if you want to go all the way to the end, you'll notice that he says, For the director of music on my stringed instruments, uh, many suggest that he was a priestly musician. And perhaps this whole book, all 56 verses, was a song. Isn't that interesting? So, George, we'll have to get your guitar out and see if we can set uh, Habakkuk 1, 2, and 3 to music. But anyway, he was a biblical, godly man who was confused because he knew his Bible and he believed in the God of the Bible, but he's not understanding why it was that God was working the way he was and, and why he wasn't acting or working quicker to fix the situation. Third complaint is, Lord, what I do see you doing, I don't like. Uh, I do see you working in some ways, but what I do see you doing, I don't appreciate, and, and I'm not sure that I think it's right or fair. Now, the word Habakkuk, his name means to embrace or to wrestle. Kind of interesting. He was a wrestler or an embracer he engaged the Lord with the situation he was facing. I'm convinced the reason why the Lord inspired, a big reason he inspired Habakkuk to be written down was for us to see that when you're struggling, when you're not understanding what's going on, we're supposed to follow Habakkuk's lead and run, and it's okay to embrace or even to wrestle with our God. And and ask the hard questions, because he's not fragile, and he's not su su super sensitive. You're not going to hurt him when you ask hard questions. When you're a bit frustrated, maybe even more than that, you're angry with the Lord, 
the best place to turn is to go and embrace and wrestle the Lord. And that's exactly what you see him doing again and again. So Habakkuk 1, 1 to 4, Habakkuk is upset. I don't know why you're doing this, Lord. I don't understand. Why aren't you getting involved in the chaos? And then we looked at verses 5 to 11. The Lord gives Habakkuk an answer. And he doesn't like the answer that the Lord gives him. Uh, Listen up, Habakkuk. I'm going to use the most wicked, the most ruthless, the most feared and hated army on earth to accomplish my plan. What he tells Habakkuk, uh, you know that king Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian army, they are going to be my tool of judgment on my chosen people. And Habakkuk says, what? What are you thinking? Are you kidding me? Really? Uh, and, and now he's upset with the Lord because when he finally gets an answer, he doesn't like the answer that God has given him. And we looked last week as we closed at Mark chapter 9. And uh, there's a father who's desperate. He's got a son who's going to die. He's controlled by a demon and he's been everywhere trying to find a solution. And his cry to Jesus is a great cry for us when we're confused and upset and frustrated and maybe even angry. I don't understand. Do you remember his cry? Lord, I do believe but help me with my unbelief. I do believe, so I'm looking to you, but Lord, there's a big part of me that doesn't understand. Help me with that part that doesn't really understand what's going on. So, first, verses 1 to 4, Habakkuk thought the Lord was doing nothing about Judah's sin. You're ignoring it. Second, when the Lord told Habakkuk what he was about to do, Uh, I'm going to judge Judah, and I'm going to use the Babylonians to be my tool of judgment. Are are you kidding, Lord? Really? Why, Why would you use the Babylonians? So here again is the question, what do you do when the Lord answers your prayer, but he doesn't answer your prayer in the way that you plan on or expect? And I don't know if you've recognized this or not, but eventually we're all going to hit a wall. We're all going to hit a dead end where we come to the point where we realize God's plan and my plan are not the same thing. If you haven't hit it yet, I promise you it's coming. Eventually we all realize, uh, Lord, how come you're doing it this way? This is your plan, uh, but that's not my plan. That's not my desire. That's not what I want to see to happen. Um, Lord, I prayed earnestly, and I prayed daily for this promotion that I think I deserved, and I'm pretty sure I'm the most qualified, and yet, Lord, after praying and praying for a long time, they gave that promotion to somebody else. Or, Lord, I fasted and I cried out, and daily with all my soul, I prayed for the healing of my loved one, but the doctor said, there's really nothing more we can do. Or what do you do when we pray for months and years to be reconciled with some person that you care about? 
And you go to them and you try to get filled up with your spirit and the Lord, you think, gave you the right words. You go with the right words and the right attitude and you go and you apologize and they look at you straight in the eye and said, no, I'm not forgiving you. I really don't want you as a part of my life. What do you do when you've prayed and you've fasted and you've cried out and it doesn't go the way you planned? Or when I wake up every morning and I'm feeling discouraged and depressed and every day I'm in God's word and and I'm crying out to the Lord and I even seek medical help and I go and see a Christian counselor, but the truth is I don't feel any better. I still feel discouraged. I still feel depressed. And the truth is that prescription they gave me, I think only makes me feel worse. What do you do then? Or my spouse and I have been praying for years for this adult child. And they're addicted. And they've been to rehab three different times. And the truth is, they're not any better. What do you do when you've prayed and you've prayed for years and you don't like the answer the Lord's giving you? The answer that you want and you expect the Lord to bring your way is not what the Lord is bringing your way. Today, we're going to see how Habakkuk responds when uh, he doesn't like the Lord's answers. Lord, I I believe, I'm seeking you, and then he gets the answer, and he says, honestly, Lord, I I think that's an awful answer. So we're going to stand in just a moment, and we're going to read, but I just want you to know this is a dialogue between a frustrated and confused man of God. He does love the Lord, But his God wasn't working in the way that he thought he would. And he's not doing what he understands or even likes. That's just honest. So stand with me, please, if you're able. And we're going to begin with Habakkuk 1 and verse 12. We're going to read all the way into verse 1 of Habakkuk chapter 2. Ready? Let's out loud declare loudly, this is God's book. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why, then, do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us the gift of the book of Habakkuk. And uh, thanks for getting each person here safely this morning. And I pray even for those 
who wanted to be here with us in person but couldn't make it. Would you watch over all of the church family of Walloon and East Jordan as well? I pray for those who are here right now or maybe watching us on Facebook, Lord, who are frustrated and confused with how you're working in their lives. The truth is, Lord, sometimes we don't understand why we're facing the circumstances that we face. Would you teach us from your book today? Show us, Lord, how we should respond when we realize that our plan and your plan are not the same thing. May the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit be welcomed in your church right now. Lord, would you use your book and your, your spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to teach us and encourage us and direct us and get us on the right path. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong voice, I almost made you redo that, amen, but I thought, you know, I'm not sure. I think you were giving it a pretty good try, so, okay. Yeah. This might not be the Sunday for that. Uh, Habakkuk has three key questions uh, from verse 12 of chapter 1 down to the end of the chapter. And here's the first question, if you're taking notes. Who are you, God? Okay, so he, he's kind of asking, but then he's going to answer his own question. It's interesting. Uh, verse 12, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you'll never die. You, Lord, have appointed them. Habakkuk says you've appointed Nebuchadnezzar. You've appointed the Babylonian army to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them, Babylonians, to punish. Now, it's almost like Habakkuk realizes I got two options here. I can either walk away from the Lord because I'm so upset and I'm so confused and I'm so angry. That's option number one. Just walk away from the Lord and, and walk away in anger and frustration. Or option number two, go back to what he knows to be true about the Lord. And that was the option he chose. He reminds himself, who am I talking to? Who am I frustrated with? Who am I confused by? So again, he's going to preach to himself now, and that's what verse 12 is all about. Notice, he, he's reminding himself about his God, the one he's having this dialogue with. He says, my God, look at it, verse 12, you are everlasting. You've always been, you always will be. You're the everlasting God. You are my Lord, he calls him. You are that loving, personal God of Israel. You, you are indeed that one that I've known my whole life. I know you, you've known me. You are the personal, loving God. And then he calls him my God, different name. You are the strong and mighty one. You are the creator, you are the ruler of the universe. Then he says, you are the holy God. You're not like us, God. You are set apart. You're, you are so far above us. We're, we're down here, 
and, and we are very limited and you are unlimited and you are holy and so different and set apart from us. And then he says, look at verse 12, you are my rock. You're my rock. You're, you're the holy one. You're the hiding place. You're the one that is my safe place. Because in those days, if, if a tornado came, if uh, some bad weather, what do you do? You go hide behind a big rock. You are that hiding safe place. Habakkuk is reminding himself who exactly this God is that just shared this shocking truth with him. Okay? I, I know you've just told me that Babylon is going to be your tool to judge Judah, and I don't understand it, Lord. I don't like your plan, but I need to remember who I'm talking to. That's what he says here in verse 12. Uh, I, I need to remember who it is I'm having this dialogue with. So the question for Habakkuk is not, do I believe in God? It's more a question of what kind of God is the one that I say I believe and I trust in? What kind of God is it that I believe and I trust in? And, and that's why he just now starts preaching to himself. I've hit this wall. I've hit the dead end. I'm facing a situation I don't like and I don't understand. So I need to right now remind me who it is that I'm talking with. I would say to you and say to myself, it's exactly what we need to do when we face situations we don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. I don't particularly like it. Matter of fact, I'm pretty frustrated about it. Uh, we might be even more honest. I'm a little ticked at God about it. That's when we need to remind ourselves just who is this Jesus that we say we love and believe in and trust. We need to go back and preach to ourselves and say, who is this Jesus? And Habakkuk did it his way. I would say, we need to say things like, Jesus, you are good and you're always out for my good and always have been out for my good. Jesus, you created the cosmos, the universe, and you created me. So you created everything in the universe, and you are sustaining it, and you're creating me. And you're always going to be with me. You, you are my rock. You are my fortress. You are my strong tower. Jesus, here's one that I always preach to myself, you love me sacrificially, unconditionally, eternally. And if you don't remember that, where do you look to to remember how he loves us. We got most of it covered there with a the screen. We hope to remedy that sometime soon, get two screens. Anyway, that's a different story. That's a bunny trail. But when, you, when you're not believing that Jesus loves you for free, sacrificially, unconditionally, eternally, where, where do you look to when you're not sure anymore? It's the forever statement of fact. Oh, yeah. I guess you already proved yourself there for all of eternity. Jesus... I believe that you know what you're doing in my life, even when I don't get it. Jesus, uh, you're working all things together for my good, Romans 8 and verse 28. And, and here's another thing I need to preach to myself. The very same power 
that raised Jesus from the dead, where does that power live today? Romans 8 and verse 11. Where does that power live right now? Lives in me. Lives in me. Jesus, you're on the throne. You've got a plan. You've got a purpose. And this is huge for me. You've never failed me once. Not once have you ever failed me. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. And if you've never failed me once, you're not going to fail me now either. So I'm preaching to myself, and I need to remind myself who this Jesus is that I say that I believe and I trust in, and one day soon, Jesus, you're going to wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Revelation 21 and verse 4. Can I just say simply, that's why we keep gathering every Sunday? Because I, I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded as we sing songs about who Jesus is and what he's doing and what he's all about. And then we dig into God's word. We're reminded of who the God that we worship is. And then all week long, I've got to keep preaching at myself and reminding myself that God is good and then you would say, all the time, and then I would say, and all the time, and then you would say, God is good. You ever heard that? It's a pretty good thing to rehearse in our heads, don't you think? Okay, you want to give it a try? Here we go. Uh, God is good, and you would say, all the time, and then I would say, and all the time, and you would say, okay, got it now? Let's do it one more time. This is a good thing, because we're here. Let's remind ourselves, God is good, and you'd say, and all the time, got it? <laughs> I, I need to remember things like that, especially when, when you hit a wall. And I suspect many of us this next week ahead, there'll be a little dead end or a little wall we run into. And oh yeah, God, I remember you're good all the time. And all the time, you're good. First thing Habakkuk does, reminds himself, who is this God that I say I believe in? Second question Habakkuk asks, verse 13, uh, your eyes, he says, are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Talking about the Babylonians. Why, God, are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? How can you be doing this, Lord? The Babylonian sins are much worse and much more evil and much more wicked than the sins of Judah? It's a good question. <laughs> You're using this really awful nation to judge a people that they're sinful and they're rebellious, but not nearly as rebellious and nearly as wicked as the Babylonians. And that's what confuses him. So he asks the question, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this to happen? It doesn't make sense, God. It's like Pastor Ray Pritchard says, it's at this point that we have to remember he's God and we're not. <laughs> Pretty good reminder, don't you think? He's sovereign and I'm just a puny jar of clay. Psalm 115 and verse 3 says it pretty well. Um, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. 
Our God, Psalm 115 and verse 3, our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Any questions? <laughs> Got it? He's in heaven. He's awesome. He's almighty. He does whatever pleases him. Any questions, y'all? Oh, nope. Okay. So, we see Habakkuk's third question. Slide down to verse 17. Here he goes. Uh, is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying the nations without mercy? And the he here is not God. The he here is who? Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army. So factor that in. Is, is he going to just keep emptying his net, destroying the nations as he marches from city to city and nation to nation and conquering and destroying and hooking them and, and filleting them like you would a fish? And don't you realize, Lord, now they're hooking your chosen people? That, that's his trouble. How long are you going to allow them to swallow and chew up nation after nation? Lord, are you really going to allow Nebuchadnezzar and his army to brutally massacre the nations of the world? And if you are, how long are you going to let that keep on happening? We, we have that question too. Lord, how long are you going to let this continue on? How long will this slaughter go on and on and on? I want to pause. What are the three questions that he wants answered? Who are you, Lord? Who are you? And then he preaches to himself, oh yeah, I know who you are. And, and he reminds himself of who Jehovah God is. He reminds himself about the God that he knows and he believes in. Second question, how can you do this, Lord? How can you, you know these Babylonians. They're more sinful, they're more wicked than Judah. No answer is given here. We're going to start getting answers in chapter 2, and we're going to get more answers to that question in chapter 3. And then the third question, how long is this awful, evil army going to keep marching and devouring and wreaking havoc on the world? And it's going to be, again, into chapter 2 and into chapter 3 where we start getting some answers. So, what do you do when you're facing, I like how uh, Dr. Henry Blackaby, how many of you have done experiencing God at some point? Yeah? Remember he calls it a crisis of belief? Remember that? He says, you're facing a crisis of belief and now you're asking, Lord, why aren't you doing what I know you could do? Why aren't you answering my prayer in the way that I'm convinced that you should respond? What do we do when we've got a crisis of belief in our lives? We've hit the wall. We're at the dead end. And I want to point out exactly what Habakkuk does now. Verse 1, Habakkuk chapter 2. Here we go. Uh, Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Other translations say, I will station myself on the watchtower. Others say, I will station myself on the guard post. I'm going to look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Now, rampart, watchtower, guard post. 
Habakkuk climbs up a wooden structure, is what he's saying. A wooden tower, if you will, if you're tracking with me. Okay? And he climbs up into a wooden tower, and he basically says, okay, Lord, I'm just going to wait up here and see what you have to say in response. Now, this is worth writing down. This is the first thing that Habakkuk does. Are you ready? And this is not normally the first thing that you and I do, but I would suggest to you this is a great thing to do. He stops and he listens. Habakkuk climbs up into a rampart, a tower, a guard post, and he just stops and he listens. He doesn't like the answers he's gotten so far. He's confused, he stops talking, he stops complaining, and he chooses to wait and to listen. Some of you like Isaiah 40 in verse 31, don't you? Isaiah 40 in verse 31 says this, But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. How many of you say, yep, I want to be an eagle, I want to fly, I want to soar, I want to run? Yep, but in order to get to that, what do you got to do first? And they that wait, stop, pause, listen, trust. And I'll say it again, most of us don't do that very easily, do we? Most of us don't stop and wait and listen very easily. Naturally, again, <laughs> it's something that he demonstrates, he exhibits with his example that I think is a great thing for us to follow. Stop and listen, especially when you're confused, especially when you're upset, especially when you don't understand why God's working the way he's working. So, just want to point out two key things that we learn from Habakkuk. Go back to verse 12. Uh, remind yourself who this Jesus is that you believe in and you trust with your life. Uh, Jesus, I'm going to just right now preach to myself and remind myself that you are out for my good. Always have been. You created the cosmos and you created me, and you've sustained me, and oh, by the way, you're working all things together for my good, and you love me. How does Jesus love me? Unconditionally, eternally, sacrificially. And where do I look in case I don't remember that? Oh, yeah, I'm going to look to the cross because that's the eternal symbol. Oh, yeah, you always have loved me, and you always will love me. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives where? Lives in me. And oh, by the way, Lord, one day soon, I'm going to be with you. Minus sin nature, minus Satan, minus death, mourning, crying, pain. When you're upset and confused, and you don't like the Lord's answer, don't cry. Don't wail. Cry out to the Lord and remind yourself who it is you're talking to. Remind yourself who it is you're chatting with. Second, look at verse 1 of chapter 2. Stop and listen. 
find a consistent, quiet place and just be quiet. Stop and listen. I think it was Spurgeon who said, listen close, for every minute we're talking and asking things of the Lord, we should spend 10 minutes listening and waiting on the Lord. I don't, I don't think most, I think it's usually reverse. I might give you one minute where I'll be quiet, Lord, and I'm going to talk for 10 minutes. And Spurgeon said, no, no, we should reverse that. For every minute we're talking to the Lord, spend 10 minutes waiting and listening on the Lord. Psalm 27, verse 14, one of my favorite verses. Wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, and what else do we got to do? Oh, yeah, got to keep waiting. <laughs> keep waiting. And some of us here today, you're in the waiting zone, and, and you're waiting right now, and, and you're saying, really? I, I just want you to know this is a part of all of our lives to be in the waiting zone. Psalm 33, verse 20, says it a little different. We wait for the Lord. He is our help, and he is our shield. He's our helper, and he's the one that we hide behind. He's the shield that we wait behind while the fiery darts are flying our way. Did you know that when you're standing on the watchtower, standing on the ramparts, the guard post, the enemy knows why you're up there, and he's been listening and watching. He knows you're frustrated. He knows you're upset. He knows when we don't understand. So oftentimes, here's how we are on top of the watchtower. Okay, Lord, I'm waiting, and I'm upset, and I'm angry, so okay, you come through. Say something. I dare you. And we cross our arms. And I would argue when we are in that mindset, we are sitting ducks. So you've got to remember, while I'm waiting on the Lord, while I'm waiting for the Lord to speak and show himself, um, I can't just sit there with my arms crossed and giving the fiery darts an opportunity to destroy and devour and that's often what happens, because I'm, I'm upset. I don't get it. I'm confused. And we just sit there, and now we're a sitting duck for Satan and his demonic. And they love to launch fiery darts at just the right moment. Have you seen that? Satan and his demons are opportunists. And they're watching when we're vulnerable and when we're open to attack. And a lot of times we're most open to attack when I'm waiting, but I'm not very happy. I'm watching, but oh Lord, you've disappointed me greatly, and now um, I'm just really upset. Here's what Ephesians 4, verse 16, you can write this down, you can look it up. But Jesus is our shield of faith. And, and here's something to remember. While you're waiting for the Lord to answer, make sure you're staying close to your Shield. The Greek word is thoron. Okay? You know there's two different types of shields. Did you know that? There's the, uh, I would call it the garbage can lid. You know what I'm talking about? There's that kind of shield. Uh, they're great for snowball fights. Okay? But then there's the thoron, which is about two feet wide, three to four feet high, 
And when the enemy fires in the fiery darts, they'd light the arrows on fire and they'd launch. What do you do with your Thoron? <laughs> you get nice and close. And oh, by the way, you're standing next to other folks uh, and they've got their Thorons. And together you duck so you don't get creamed by the fiery darts. Together we put our, sh- that's why we need each other. You know that, right? And we, we hide, we abide, we connect We stay close to our shield. Our faith, our trust is in Jesus. He's our Thoron. You see the problem? When I'm sitting back here and I'm mad and I'm upset and my shield's up there, yeah, and someday I'll get close, but I'm upset. I'm a sitting duck. And yet we just read, but Jesus says you can soar on wings like eagles. Just reminding us, reminding me, oh yeah, I need to stay close. When I'm most upset, when I'm most frustrated, when I'm most confused, listen, that's the time we need to abide and stay connect like, like more than ever. Or I can just stay back here and get fiery dart after fiery dart and I don't understand and, and I'm just a martyr and I'm just going to eat worms back here and I don't think Jesus, no, no. No, no, lean into your shield. Lean into Jesus when you're confused and you're waiting on the Lord because that's when we soar on wings like eagles. Last thought, want to be a sitting duck or you want to be a soaring eagle? Think about it. Sitting duck, creamed, fiery darts, or soar on wings like eagles. Not really even much of a choice, is it? Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for, again, giving us the thoughts, the dialogue of a very honest, godly man. Because the truth is, most of us, we, we understand. We, we get it. We've felt that way ourselves. Been praying and asking and seeking and truthfully I'm not liking the answers I'm getting. Some of you would even say, you know, that's me today. I'm right right in the middle of one of those seasons where the darts are flying. I'm confused. I seem to be asking and seeking and knocking and been doing that perhaps for a long time. And Lord, I'm confused. I don't, I don't understand the answers I'm getting. I don't appreciate, appreciate them or like them. Um, so I'm just going to follow that lead of Habakkuk and, and wait. So while you're in that confused situation, let me just remind you, who is this Jesus you believe in? Who is the Jesus that you've put your faith and your trust into? And we could go on for an hour right now. I'm just going to rehearse some of the things that I say, Lord, you're out for my good. You created me. You love me for free. Nothing could ever separate me from your love. I'm a part of your chosen family. The power of your spirit is alive and working out 
perfect plan. You got a purpose. You know what you're doing. You've never failed me once. And oh, Lord, the best is yet to come. I'm going to be with you face to face, free of sin and Satan and death and pain and tears. It's good to listen to the preacher on Sundays. But the most important preacher in your life is you. You need to learn to start preaching it yourself. Preaching truth to your own heart and your own mind. We don't learn who we are and who Jesus is. We're going to be sitting ducks. Second thing we learn is uh, when you're frustrated and confused and upset, maybe even angry, you need to get alone with the Lord and wait and listen. When's the last time you got yourself into a quiet place and just waited and listened and allowed Him to renew your strength? I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to find a place in very busy, loud, scheduled lives that we lead, a place to stop and be quiet and listen. Thanks again, Lord, for the example in the book of Habakkuk. It's encouraging for me, Lord, to see that it's normal for all of us at times to hit the wall and be confused and frustrated, knowing that you're God and we're not. Thanks that we can always wrestle and grapple with you when you're okay with that. As we wait on you, we'll wait for due time for you to speak. Keep recharging our spiritual batteries and tanks. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray all these things.